One more time. My heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus. 
Hey, God, we're just thankful to be in your house. And God, you do reign. You reign over us and all this earth. And, Lord, we just thank you for what you do each and every day in each of our lives. And, Lord, I pray that as we come to this moment, Lord, that we are in your house. And, Lord, that we are near you. And, Lord, we pray that we'll open up our hearts and our, our minds to you and just feel your spirit this morning. Dear God, I pray that as we feel it, Lord, that we take it with us and use it in our everyday lives. And, Lord, help us to just... Be your servants. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield, though troubles linger still. Whom shall I Father, we do uh, come to you in the name of Jesus, and we uh, honor and praise you because uh, 
you are the God of this universe and has it in the palm of your hands and even has us in the palm of your hand. And as the song just said, you are our strength and you are life. You are our hope. And Lord, we, uh, exp- as we go through each day, we see how uh, generous we are. you are to each one of us. And Lord, as we uh, get ready for the offering, uh, we would ask the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us, not only today, but in the days ahead, to help us be uh, generous in returning uh, part of what you have blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. My name is Zane Bailey, and usually I'm running the media department somewhere doing something, but this morning I want to talk to you about Celebrate Recovery. It's about last September, you know, I asked Brother John Hughes at the men's retreat, I said, what can I do and celebrate recovery? And I was thinking, sweeping floors, you know, taking out the trash, but now nah, he said, prepare a meal. I said, eh, I can do that. I know my way around the kitchen. When I told my wife that we got married, she thought, Guys, when they say, you know, the way around the kitchen, they can throw something on the grill. But actually, I can't prepare a meal. So I, we did, my wife and I have been doing it ever since. And we alternate Thursdays with uh, Bill and Martha Lane. And so we have enjoyed it. We enjoy doing it. It's fun. And we look at it as it's a ministry, providing food for those who need it. And we provide food every other Thursday. So it, it's a joy to do that. But, you know, have you ever made a decision and, Things have gone wrong. You know, you've fallen on bad times and don't know what to do. You look around and everything's against you. You need a helping hand to get up. And that's what Celebrate Recovery is about, helping those who have fallen the need to get up. And so if you know someone that needs help, you know, send them to Celebrate Recovery. If you need help yourselves, you know, you can come to Celebrate Recovery Thursday nights and right here in the chapel at 630 or Want a meal? It's 5:30 over in the Memorial Social Hall. Also, you know, we need volunteers to help prepare meals. Like I said, we alternate Thursday. So, if you would like to help, or if you have someone in your Sunday school class, for Sunday school class would like to help, you know, come on and join us and join in the fun with us every Thursday, and come out and help us celebrate recovery. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Zane. Appreciate Zane. Uh, what a wonderful servant of the Lord. And um, this, this is Celebrate Recovery Sunday. And, and, um, and I think about Zane's service. Makes me recall a time when I was about, I was talking to a young lady over here, and she indicated she was eight years old. And um, I can remember being over at uh, First Baptist in Albany when I was about eight years old. And one Sunday they were camping out on on the golden rule, you know. What is that? Do you remember what it is, Bill? The golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right, exactly. Okay, make sure you're alert over there. So uh, we, were, we were having this study, and, and I remember that particular week, they were really focusing on sharing, you know. Sharing is very important. And um, so um, for some reason... That stuck in my mind, and, and that evening when I went back to church, we had something called, you ever heard of something called sunbeams? Yeah. Okay, well anyway, there was something called sunbeams back then, and, and, I, and I went to something called sunbeams, and, and as I was leaving, I got a pack of Cracker Jacks. So uh, as I was um, home with my Cracker Jacks, I was sitting on my bed, and I was just fixing to, to open them up and eat them. But right as I was about to do that, I thought about that Sunday school lesson. About sharing and giving. So, um, I took those Cracker Jacks. I thought about my sister. Nah, I wasn't going to give them to her. <laughs> and then I thought about mom. And, you know, she probably had spanked me earlier in the day or something. So, no, I didn't give them to mom. I thought about my dad. So I remember getting out of my bed carrying these Cracker Jacks. 
And I walk out of my bedroom, down the hall, into our living room. And my dad's sitting there watching TV. And I, and I walk up to him, and I said, Dad, I want you to have these. And you're not going to believe what he did. He took them. <laughs> okay, so he took them. He began to open them. He began to eat them. And I went back to my room, and you know, you would think I'd be filled with joy for, uh, for giving and, and, you know, learning. But I went back to my room, and I just started crying. I'm like, golly, this is, you know, and when I think about, like, Zane, you know, he's talking about serving the Lord with joy and, and how he enjoys it. And I think about when I was eight years old, when I tried to serve the Lord, and, and I was like going man, this isn't so fun, you know, <laughs> this is hard. Uh, I tell you what, we're going to look at a, a, a much better example than John Hughes when he was eight or even now in the scriptures. We're going to look, if you would, at a man named, and I'm sure Bill doesn't know this name, Epaphroditus, okay, Epaphroditus. Did you know that one, Bill? Okay, good. All right, turn, if you would, to Philippians, and I promise you I won't pick on Bill anymore during this message. Um, Philippians chapter 2, look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Paul is writing here to the church in Philippi, and he's talking about one of the people who's assisting him. Follow with me as I read. He says, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad. And have, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. And honor men like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. Risking his life to make up for the help. You could not give me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning um, we read in your word and we, and we see uh, a man who had qualities that just make us stand in awe. 
Father, I, I just pray that this morning we will look deeply into your word and we'll look at our lives and, and we'll see that what you're calling us to is, is so much more than what many of us are experiencing. Lord, you're calling us to, to give in such a way that we put our lives at risk. We give all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, like if you look at the um, stained glass window, you have like a a visual picture of of Jesus. What I want to do is give you a visual picture first of of what a person who gives and risks their life. Look at verse 25 again. It says, But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. Epaphroditus was a member of the church of Philippi, just like you know, a member of First Baptist Church or whatever. He was a member of a church. And he was selected by that church, by that fellowship, to go and to, to minister to Paul, who happened to be, at that time, in jail, in Rome, and in, in prison. Now, how does Paul describe this man? If you'll notice, the first word he uses is my brother, my brother. Now, can you imagine being the brother to the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine this morning if we had somebody here that was a relative of the Apostle Paul? You know, that would kind of be the most famous person at First Baptist Church, wouldn't it? You know, we'd always remember, you know, hey, so-and-so, he's the Apostle Paul's great, 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 whatever it would be, grandson, you know. And can you imagine what that was like? Paul saying, my, my brother, I can remember as a, as a kid, um, I was always kind of small and wormy. Any other small, wormy people here? Anyway, but I was kind of small and wormy in school, and I like to befriend bigger guys, okay? And there was this guy at school, his name was Bart Oates, okay? And Bart, I mean, even though he would razz me, he was big, and I liked hanging out with Bart. Bart later became center for the New York Giants. So he was a pretty, what? He became a really big dude. You know what I mean? So I, I, and I can imagine for Epaphroditus being called a brother, a fellow brother of the Apostle Paul. That's pretty high praise. That's in pretty big, big company. But if you'll notice in this, this section, how did he become a brother of the Apostle Paul? How did that happen? Well, it's the same way that Paul came to know Jesus Christ. There was a day in his life where Epaphroditus realized his works weren't going to get him into heaven. His good deeds weren't enough to earn access to God. And there was a day in his life when he said, you know, I can't make this on my own. I'm not going to be good enough. And he trusted that Jesus Christ when he died on that cross, paid for his sin. That's how he became a brother to the Apostle Paul. That's how he became a Christian. But not only was he a a brother, if you'll notice here, it says, he's my fellow worker. Fellow worker. Now, yes, when we become a Christian, it's all by the grace and the mercy of God. But yet... When we enter into that relationship, there's a new energy. There's a new power in us. 
And it's not Georgia Power, it's not EMC, it's who? It's going to be a long sermon if y'all don't respond, okay? The Holy Spirit, thank you very much. It's going to be the, it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit living in us energizes us gives, us, gives us the power to serve the Lord with gladness, to serve and be empowered to make a difference. And so that's what happened. Epaphroditus came to know Christ filled with the Spirit, and he began to serve all those that were around him. And when he went to serve on mission, uh, the Apostle Paul, he served with energy and strength and power. Matter of fact, do you recall, as you read in the book of Acts, some of the places that Paul went? You know, I'm just going to be honest, I think we should, but when we had Crawford Ritz here Monday night, when he came, do you know we put him up in the best motel that Tifton had to offer, in which I think we should. That's good hospitality. We took care of his meals, which is good hospitality. But let me tell you what, when the Apostle Paul traveled and was doing missionary work, you can read in the book of Acts, many times he was run out of town, okay? So he was not, it was not cushy. And, and what he's saying is, listen, Epaphroditus got in here with me, and, and we went house to house witnessing, or we spoke to the, the people in the synagogue, and, and we went... To, to, you know, we did what was ever necessary. He was a fellow worker with me here, okay? He did what was necessary. You know, you know when I think about fellow workers, I think about, um, do y'all know, how many of y'all, raise your hand now if you know, raise your hand. How many of y'all know Herb and Sarah Womack? One of you, two of you, three of you, four, five, six, seven. okay. Herb and Sarah Womack, they're members of our church. And, uh, I think about Herb and Sarah Womack. When this ministry called Celebrate Recovery started four years ago, they had a keen interest in it. And uh, Miss Sarah said, you know, I can cook. I'd like to do that. And so uh, she, she would come up here nearly every week and prepare meals for these folks who are coming from Celebrate Recovery. Some of them are coming all the way from Alapaha. Some are coming from all over. And uh, she'd prepare these meals. And when you'd see her in that environment, you could just tell she was serving the Lord with joy. And, and you could just tell as she interacted with those that came. You know, as you know, Herb's health got a little, uh, a little worse, and, and so she had to kind of back off. They had to back off of that. But her desire, she had seen the Word of God impact people's lives. And, you know, even though she couldn't come up here and cook, she wanted to make sure that they got the Word of God. And so she has continued that ministry by uh, investing in providing Bibles for people who are involved in that ministry. It's amazing how the energy and the work of God is expressed. Epaphroditus was not only a worker, but it says here what? A fellow what? Soldier. A fellow soldier. Now, brothers and sisters, I would love to, I wish I could just tell you that uh, when you join First Baptist Church and you bring your children and, and they're equipped spiritually and they begin to grow, that because of your relationship with Jesus, yes, you're going to have to work, but everything's going to turn out all right. Okay? That's just not the truth. Okay? According to God's Word, there's a spiritual battle going on, okay? 
And if you ever doubt that, just get married, okay? It'll, it'll, you'll find that out pretty much real quick between just you and your wife. You'll realize you're, you're kind of hard-headed, and she is too. And you're going to learn a lot about battles, spiritual and others. But we know that what we're seeking to trust God to do in this community is a spiritual battle. Man, I'm excited that today there'll probably be, I don't know, let's just throw out a number, 800 or so people that'll gather here at First Baptist Church. And I'm excited that over at Northside, let's just, I don't know how many they have, but let's just say another 800 people gather over at Northside. And uh, I don't know, over at Journey, another 800, whatever. Just, uh, and then you add all the other churches in town. Let's just say there's 10,000 of us today in worship praising God. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. That leaves 30,000 people in our community today who are lost. And, and what they're operating under is this. You know, if I live a pretty good life and I try my best and I die, I think I'll go to heaven. That's what they really think. How on earth, in the few years that we have left, so to speak, I'm say I'm 50, I live to be 100, and the 50 years left I, I got, or whatever, how on earth in these years are we going to get the gospel to the 30,000 people that live around us? How is that going to happen? How's it going to happen? Is my bu uh, buddy Roger, is he going to come up with this strategic plan? And he'll go, okay, Mike, you go here. Don't you know, how are we going to do this? Listen, it's a spiritual battle. Amen? The Holy Spirit has got to work and energize our hearts and lives. He's got to work in the lives of all the Christians. And then there's got to be an ability to overflow and minister and share the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit with this community. It is a battle. Paul knew it, and Epaphroditus was in that battle with him. Day in and day out, they were warring together to share Jesus Christ. Where? In Rome, in a major city. I just want to ask you a question. If Paul was here this morning, the Apostle Paul, and he was walking these aisles right around here, would he walk up to you? Would he touch you on the shoulder? Would he say, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier? Would he walk up and touch you on the shoulder and say that? Matter of fact, if our church this morning had a special mission. Maybe we got a call, okay, from uh, the Billy Graham organization. And they wanted us to send a, a special envoy to, to be with Billy for prayer or ministry, okay? And our church had to select one person. Would you be the one selected? Would you be the one selected? Not because you're the most popular person, but because... You're a brother in Christ, sister in Christ. You're a faithful servant. You're a faithful soldier. 
would our church select you and say, God? We also see in this text not only a, a visual picture of what it means to risk your life, to sell out, but also we get to examine the heart of a person like that. Examine the heart. Look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Now this is, on a surface level, almost absurd. Okay? But this is where you've got to take a little time to think about the Word of God here. While Epaphroditus was serving, warring alongside the Apostle Paul, he got sick. And somehow, the word of his illness got back to the church that he had come from in Philippi. And this congregation loved that gentleman so much, they were overly concerned, extremely concerned about his welfare. I can imagine one reason is because they had sent him on this mission, right? They had sent him. And, the, and for him to get sick and to die while he's on that, that's probably not real, real good. But they were concerned. But here's what, what the text is saying, is that Epaphroditus was distressed and concerned about their excessive concern over him. I don't know if you can follow that at all. In essence, Epaphroditus loved them so much that he wanted to see them and to assure them that he was all right. Listen, I, I'm just honest. I, I, I just stand amazed at that. I, I don't understand it. And this is not to puff up our pastor, okay? But I'm just telling you the truth. I'm amazed at Wayne Rowe, okay? I mean, I've been in the ministry for whatever many years. I've known a lot of people in ministry, a lot of church members. But I've never seen anybody like Wayne Rowe. And what I mean by that is the way he loves. Just the way he loves. When, when people love, you just, you just kind of stand in awe of them. You know what I mean? Now, I can be nice 90% of the time, Okay? But there's a difference between being nice and loving. And this is what Epaphroditus was like. He, so lo- he actually loved these people that he was wanting to relieve their anxiety about their concern from him. I, I just can't. Listen, let me tell you this. Most of us, as brothers and sisters in Christ, look at First Baptist Church and, and we think, what a wonderful fellowship. It's, it's large enough, it can kind of sustain anything that can happen. Okay? I think the lesson from this verse is this. Epaphroditus had such a love for the fellowship, he was vitally concerned about the welfare of these people. And I think God would tell us, brothers and sisters in Christ... Don't take the love that the Holy Spirit has created in this fellowship for granted. Don't take it for granted. Do everything you can personally to protect it. Do everything you can personally to nurture it. Do everything you can to enhance it. Do everything you can to be an example of it. 
That's the application I get from that verse about Epaphroditus. And it challenges me. Finally, we see in verses 27 through 30, he says, Indeed, he was ill, and he almost died. Look at verse 30. Because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life, To make up for the help you could not give to me. See, we discover that in this text, I don't know, many of y'all have a sensitive stomach, like I do. If I eat some spicy food, it can mess me up. Listen, Epaphroditus there in Rome did not get a hold of some spicy Italian food, okay? And they just have an upset stomach. And got over it. I don't know the nature of his illness, but he became seriously ill in the midst of his ministering to Paul and ministering with him. And he didn't just punch out and go home. He stayed. He ministered. He risked his life to carry out this ministry. According to this scripture, Epaphroditus literally placed his life on the line in service to Paul and in service to Christ. And here's the point. He did it willingly because of love. He did it willingly because of love. Every week, Celebrate Recovery gathers together every Thursday. Let me tell you what. Let me ask you a question. When does Celebrate Recovery meet? Thursday. Thursday. Is it every Thursday? Every Thursday. What if it's Christmas Day? Is it, does it meet on, on Christmas Day? Yeah. It does. What if it's New Year's? What is Thanksgiving? Yeah. It's the only ministry that I know of. It meets every Thursday. Thursday. Every Thursday. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and uh, that can be a little challenging for the staff because, you know, staff like to have a little time with their family. Amen. Amen. Okay. (laughs) But let me tell you what. There are three ladies that I know involved in this ministry, and they don't like me mentioning their name, but that's just the way it goes. I'm the preacher. Vicki Bowes is one of them, Sandy Taylor, and a lady named Angela Harris. And these sweet ladies, they love the Lord, but let me tell you what they do. They lead a small group, okay? They lead a small group. And, you know, there are a lot of ways to lead a small group. It can be a small group where you focus on teaching, right? It can be a small group where you you focus on, you know, sharing. There's a lot of different ways to lead a small group. But I'll tell you what the, the focus of these ladies. Their focus is sharing their lives together. Sharing their lives together. And the only problem with doing that is it comes with high what? Risk. Risk. When you're willing to share your life with each other, the joys, the bad things, when you're willing to share your life with each other, there's high risk. High risk. But we've been trained as growing up in America, what? High risk can also bring what? Exactly. High reward. Great reward. 
And these ladies have experienced some of the greatest things in life of sharing together. Some of them have shared great illness together. They've struggled together when somebody's battling a, a severe illness. And they've gone and they've traveled. They've been there for each other. They've been there. Others, they've shared just the day-to-day nitty-gritty. Texting, emailing, constant contacting each other. Just as an encouragement to let you know. They've risked their lives. And they continue to do that through this ministry called Celebrate Recovery. See, ministry is making yourself vulnerable. And in that context, giving yourself away. That's what Epaphroditus did. The church said, we've chosen you to go and minister to Paul. I mean, again, it's not the Hilton. It's a Roman prison. So he goes and he ministers. His own life almost comes to an end, but God mercifully spares him and he continues. He continues to serve. I must have been, again, uh, about eight years old. My daddy was um, over in Vietnam at the time. And uh, I wanted to play midget football in Albany, Georgia. And so I went by the, the city recreation department. I got my, my, my pants, my pads, my shoulder pads, my helmet. I got all the gear to play football. I was going to play for the vultures, okay? And... Uh, so I remember I got all my gear, and uh, my mom drove me that afternoon over to Satterfield Ballpark. And as we were pulling up there, I, I've always worn glasses, and, and so I could see uh, that there were like 12 teams out on this field, and, and uh, all these kids and all these teams. And, and right as I, I'm fixing to get out of the car, I take off my glasses because I was, didn't think you were supposed to play football with your glasses on. So I take them off, and I, and I walk up to this and I'm looking through trying to figure out where I should go. And I was just so scared. I said, Mom, let's go back home. So we, uh, we load up in the car and, and we go back home. Well, that night, Coach Bryant calls and he goes, We missed you at practice today, John. I, I said, Yes, sir, I'm sorry I missed practice. You know, I didn't let him know I was scared. But anyway... Uh, I'll be there tomorrow, okay? So next day, same routine, got on all my gear, and, and man, I was ready to go to practice. And the same thing happened. You know, I, I, uh, I get up to the fence, and it's like all these people and all this going on, and I'm like, man, I can't sort this out. What's going on? So I said, Mom, let's, let's go back home. And right as I'm turning to leave, you know what happens? Coach Bryant yells, hey, John! And I go, you know, I couldn't really see too good because, you know, near side... And uh, he said, uh, Coach, I'm Coach Brian. I'm your coach. And I said, oh, good, good, good. And I'll never forget, this guy, he must have been 100 feet tall. I don't know. He was so tall. And he had on this, this uh, postal service uniform. I mean, he was a, a letter carrier. And I'll never forget Coach Brian. He says, come on with us. And so I, I went down there, and, and, man, I was one of the vultures. I, I played right guard. Yes, yes, that was my, my experience, playing right guard. But you know what? So many of us today, so many of us, we, we come to worship, we come to, 
to Sunday school, we come to church. And what it, it feels like is that you're, you're kind of at that chain link fence. And you're kind of looking and you say, well, man, that, you know, if I'm looking this way, Rodney and all those guys, they know what they're doing. Or I'm looking, looking this way, Wayne and all those guys, they know what they're doing. And, and you know, whatever, Michael and all. And, and, and you go, but man, I don't know where I fit. I, I just don't really connect to this thing. You know, I, and, and, and in reality, you're kind of like I was. You're just kind of, you're kind of afraid of this whole deal. Uh, maybe when somebody shares a testimony and they share about this intimate relationship with Jesus, you're going like, well, I could never have that. That's just for special people. Or when people talk about going on a mission trip or doing something like that, you go, you know, that's just for special people. I could never do that. I, I could never sing in the praise band or do something. That's just for special people. And in reality, you're just kind of afraid. I can understand that. But you know what the Lord wants to do this morning? The same thing Coach Bryant did. He wants to say to you, he wants to call your name and say, Hey, come on, man. I died for you. I want to save you. I want to forgive you. Come on. I want you to be a part of this team or this family called First Baptist Church. I want all of you to be in this. I, I want you to risk your lives. It's going to be scary. There are going to be things you're going to do. Things like Celebrate Recovery, that's something new we started four years ago. There are going to be other new things First Baptist does in the years. There are going to be things we've done in the past that we'll revitalize. Who knows? Why? Because God loves all 40,000 people in this community. And we're just kind of the first fruits. We've got a mission. We've got something to accomplish. I just want to ask you this morning, will you listen to God? What are your Cracker Jacks? What are you afraid to give up or reluctant to give up? or You gave them up once and you wish you hadn't. What are you holding on to? Will you listen to God? Will you risk your life? Maybe it's for the ministry like Loving Tifton or Brookfield Muse Feeding or Tutoring or Faith or Sunday School or RAs, GAs, Choir, Celebrate. It could be anything. Are you willing to risk your life? In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. This will be your opportunity to respond. Our pastor will be here at the front. He'll be here to receive you. We're going to sing a song called Amazing Grace. We've sung it a million times in this church. We're going to sing it a little differently than the way we usually sing it. But God's grace can make it all happen in your life. Lord Jesus, we pray now that as we close this time of worship together, that our minds won't go on to the next event, but our minds will stay right here with you. That we'll listen to your word, that we'll listen to the Holy Spirit speaking through all of us this morning, and that, Lord, this morning, we'll hear you call us by name. We'll step out of fear. We'll let go of the thing we want to hang on to. And we'll say yes to Jesus. We'll say yes to that area of ministry. We'll say yes to service. We'll say yes to whatever you ask us to do. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Let's stand and you respond as the Lord speaks to you.